welcome to livealittlehigher.com. This week we read a double portion. We read Parasha Vayakel and Parasha Pekudei. It's the two last parashas of the book of Shemot. And there are some years that they're read separate, some years they're read together. Uh, if it's a leap year, then each parasha is read on its own. But as uh, when it's not a, a leap year, when it's only one Adar, then the par these two parashas are read together. So in this parasha, we are once again given all the details of the construction of the Mishkan in every specification, materials, um, vessels that went into the Mishkan, the measurements. Again, it goes and it recounts everything again, very detailed. And, um, and in one of the questions that arises in these two parashas that you're reading them and you're wondering is why are we here? What's the whole purpose of the creation? What is the whole purpose of Hashem making a world, uh, making galaxies and making mountains and oceans and volcanoes and people and animals and trees, vegetation, the mineral world, the animal world, and the human world, what, what is the whole purpose of all this creation? And we could come to understand in these parashas that talk about the Mishkan, why Hashem created the world. So there's many different um, outlooks into why Hashem created the world. There's different views in the Torah. We know that the Torah has 70 faces and every face is correct. There's many ways to look at it, and one is not diminishing the other way. And we're going to see what some of these philosophies in within the Torah have to say about why we're in this world. So the Talmud states, <clears throat> in a very simple and straightforward way, it says, I was created to serve my creator. This is the, 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 the why we're here. We're here, Hashem wanted people to serve him, to follow his will, to follow his desires, and this is one way to look at it. Then you have uh, the Musar movement, which is a moralistic-oriented way of life, which is very, uh, it emphasizes refinement of, of character traits. And he says, the Musar tree, it says, the purpose of life is the refinement of a person's character traits. We're here, we're born, we have our personalities, we have different character traits, and the Torah teaches us how we should behave in this world, and this is the whole purpose of man, to learn how to behave. And then the Zohar, which is Jewish mysticism, uh, it's the Kabbalah, comes and tells us, that God created us in order that his creation should know him. So there, there, there's, there's a concept that Hashem was before he created the whole world, he was alone, there was nothing except him, that was all there was, and he created the world because he wanted to be known. And uh, Rabbi Isaac Luria, who was a master Kabbalist, he offers the, this, this reason for creation, uh, and he says, God is the essence of good, and the nature of good is to be bestow goodness. 
This is further elucidated in the works of also a Kabbalist, Rabbi Moshe Haim Lusato in Derech Hashem, where he gives a whole explanation that Hashem wants to give goodness, and if he doesn't create a, a creation, then he has no one to give his goodness. And so, so uh, in reality, God created our world so that there should be recipients of his goodness. This is the Kabbalistic point of view. And what is Hashem's goodness? Hashem's goodness is perfection. And what, how can we achieve per perfection? If you look at these other ways of looking at it, yes, through serving Hashem, through refinement of character traits, and through, um, through being kind ourselves. This is a way in which we can achieve Hashem's goodness. And then we have Hasidic philosophy, especially uh, Chabad philosophy, because this comes from the teachings of the, of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And it says, a Hasidic teaching explains that these reasons, as well as the reasons given by other Kabbalistic and philosophical works, are but various phases of a singular design desire, divine desire for creation as expressed in various worlds or realms of God's creation. Hasidim also offer its own formulation of this divine desire that we make a home for God in this material world. So Chabad specifically is very, very into making this home for Hashem. Getting this world and making it a vehicle, make it receptible for Hashem's presence to dwell in this world. So what does it mean to make a world a home for Hashem? What does it mean? And we see when Hashem asked Moshe to build the tabernacle in the, in the, in the desert, the sanctuary, the Mishkan, he said, make me a, a Mishkan so I can dwell in you. So in you, he didn't say in it, he said in you. So we also are a microcosm of this Mishkan. We are also uh, vessels of divinity. And when a person lives a life in which he's becoming a vessel to carry Hashem's um, revelation in this world, then Hashem is also comfortable within you. So we have to make the world a place where Hashem feels comfortable. You have to make your home a place where Hashem makes, feels comfortable. And you have to be a person that Hashem feels comfortable with. So a basic tenet of our faith is that the entire world is filled with His presence. We believe that Hashem is everywhere. There's no place in this world that is void of God. And, um, and it says, so it's not that we have to bring God into the material world. This is not what it means. It doesn't mean that we have to make the world a place uh, so Hashem can be here. He is already here. He's part of the world. He's the creator of the world. The world is a creation of Him. And the material world as the holiness of the world. Everything comes from Hashem. So... But what does this mean? It means that God can be in the world without being at home in it. So, yes, imagine that you're invited to a party and you, are, um, you have a special diet, you cannot eat a lot of stuff, you, you have to take care of, of yourself, and you come to this party and the people that invite you, they know that you have this special diet. And nevertheless, they didn't think about you. You can't eat anything because you, you're, you, everything that's in the menu is forbidden for your health. 
I'm sorry. So imagine that you go into this party, okay, you're gonna be in the party, but you're not gonna feel comfortable there. You're not gonna be at peace in this place. So the same way with Hashem, Hashem has a desire for the world. And when we make a world where Hashem is not, the world is not conducive for Hashem, then he comes to the world, but he's not comfortable here. So being at home means being in a place that is receptive to your presence, a place that is devoted to serving your needs and desires. And it means being in a place where you are true private self as opposed to the public, to the public, uh, to the public environment. So imagine also that you come to your home and you, there's no chair where you can sit down. Everything is to look and not to touch. It's too expensive. You cannot put your feet up in your, in your living room and read a book. It's too precious. You cannot sit there. Imagine you would come to a home like this. You would never feel comfortable in that home. You wouldn't feel you're in your home. So the material world in its natural state is not an environment that is hospitable to Hashem. It is not a place where God feels comfortable, even though he created this material world. And there's a purpose for him creating the material world. So we see that the, there is a common feature in everything that is in the material world, and that is egocentrism, uh, selfishness. Uh, the people use the material world for their own selfish desires, for their own self-gratification, and for their own pleasure. And people usually are not focused on using the material world, on, on using it to bring holiness to the world, to, to uh, making a mitzvah with it, uh, using it for holy purposes. People don't have uh, this idea in their heads when they're using the material world, unless you learn Torah and, and you connect to this truth and then you start using the material world to serve Hashem. And that is the real reason why he created the material world. So the only thing wrong with all this selfishness is that it blurs the truth. It doesn't allow you to see the reality behind the material world. So you know Hashem creates the material world. He creates us as people, for example, that need to get dressed. We need to get dressed. It's a need. It's a, we cannot go around in the streets without clothes. If you live in a place where there's a very harsh winter, you're going to need a coat and you're going to need a scarf and you're going to need special boots because it's, it's not, you're, you don't need it because you're a material being. You need them because it, you need them in order to survive. But then comes Hashem and he gives you directives on how he would like you to dress. What is proper for a man? What is proper for a woman? How we should dress? How should we present ourselves? And when a Jew is gonna go and buy clothes, he always has Hashem in front of him. And first of all, he's gonna think, is this proper for me? Is this what Hashem would like me to wear? And with that directive, he decides what he buys and what he doesn't buy. But a person that doesn't have a life in which Hashem is part of his life, he's not in his relationship with God. Hashem is not anywhere to be seen in his life. He's not even thinking about God. His whole, his whole day, he doesn't even think about him one second of his life, then for him going to buy clothes is just a material pursuit. It's something that brings him pleasure and self-gratification. So 
So to make our world a home for God, we must transform the nature of the world. Uh, we have to use this materialistic existence, which we have. It's part of our, of our uh, reason of existence and use it and transform it for godly purposes. We must recast the very foundations of its identity from a self-oriented entity into something that exists for a purpose that is greater than itself. And every time we take a material object or resource and enlist it in the service of Hashem, we're effecting such a transformation. When we take a piece of leather and make a pair of tefillin, for example, we are using that leather and we're using it for the service of Hashem. When you, for example, earn money, you make money and you take part of that money, a certain percentage that it's stipulated in the Torah, 10%, 15% of your money and you give it to tzedakah, you give it for, for purposes of, of helping your community, helping a family, helping build a, a school, a, a hospital, you use it for good reasons, then you're, you're making that money a conduit to serve Hashem. And so we see that a dollar, for example, if it's not used for the holy purpose, then it's just money. It's just a self-serving thing you have in your life. And, uh, and, and when you use it for good, then you're using it for the right reason. You know the truth. You know why that money exists. It's not for your self-gratification. It's to be able to help Hashem build this world, to make this home, this world a home for Him. So there are two basic steps to endeavor of making our world a home for God. There's two ways in which we can do this. And the first step involves priming the material resource as a vessel for godliness. So it's like taking this leather and shaping it into tefillin or taking that money and giving it to Sedaka. And the second step is actually the employment of the material world. So, the, okay, you made the, the, the feeling, but then you have to donate, and then you have to pray with them. It's the action or that dollar bill uh, that you gave to that tzedakah, then you see that you're giving food to a poor family and you're feeding them. So one thing is the, let's say the passive action and then there's the action. So at first glance, it would seem that the second step is the most significant one, while the first step is merely an en enabler of the second step, uh, which it would mean it's a means to its end. But the Torah's account of the first home of God built on our world in the desert places a very big emphasis on the construction of the home rather than its actual employment as a divine dwelling place. So Hashem gives a very, very extent a description of how he wants this home. So imagine you're gonna build a home, so you sit with the architect, you're with a plan, and he's making notes of what you need, and so you tell him, look, I don't spend a lot of time in my bedroom, but I always have a lot of people for Shabbat, and my children, I have a lot of children, and I need a good place for them to, to be able to play and have uh, their toys, and I want a, a garden where I can make barbecues on Sunday, or in Yom Tov, maybe I can make a barbecue, you know? So the architect, by, telling, by, by you telling him what's important for you, he's gonna design a home that is important for you. It's going to give emphasis to those parts of that home that are important for you. So the same way in which Hashem 
um, gives the directive of building this home, he's so uh, into the details of measurements, materials, uh, the vessels that go inside the Mishkan, uh, that comes first and then comes the, the function of this place. Then he starts telling us how we have to light the menorah, how we have to uh, use the Aron HaKodesh, how we're gonna use the showbread, how we're gonna use the implementation of this home. So a sizable portion of the book of Exodus is dedicated to the construction of the, of the, top, of the, of the sanctuary which was built by the children of Israel in the, in the desert. And what's interesting is that the Torah is always very sparaging with the words. It, it never talks more than necessary. It will say the least to say the most. And here we see that Hashem can stop talking. He's saying and saying and saying is actually 13 portions of the Torah are de dedicated to the construction and to the and to the and to the action of this sanctuary we see that for the creation of the world for example hashem only used one portion of the torah one 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 parasha bereshit and it's not even the complete parasha it's the beginning of the parasha explains how the world was was formed was came to be but we see that with the building of the tabernacle hashem is very extensive we see also with the leaving the, the exodus it was 11 portions and we see that with the giving of the torah at mount sinai hashem used three portions so we see what it's the most important for hashem is the home is the home the, 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 the spiritual home for him it's the physical home for him it's the home we are his home and uh, there's a story that I've said many times, but it's beautiful story of the Hophet Haim that he wanted to change the world. And one day he said, I'm going to change the world. And he tried to change the world and he couldn't change the world. And he says, okay, I'm going to change my country. He couldn't change his country. Then he said, I'm going to change my city. He couldn't change his city. Okay, I'm going to change my, my, my neighborhood. Couldn't change the neighborhood. Then he said, I'm going to change my home. Couldn't change his home. And then he says, okay, I have to look inside of me. I have to change myself. And the moment that he changed, the whole rest changed too. He changed, his home changed, the, the, the neighborhood changed, his city changed, everything changed. Because change is within us. And, and this is what Hashem is telling us, that we are the primary home of God. And when we become a vessel for him, when we become a vessel for his presence in this world, will make everything else part of his, of his vessels. Every part of your life is going to be a vessel for Hashem, your home, your clothes, the food you eat, the money you make, the intelligence you have, everything is going to be used for the service of Hashem. And that's where transformation lies, the transformation from a self-oriented object to a thing that is committed to something greater than itself. If God merely desired a hospitable environment, he, he need not have bothered with a material world. We could have been in the spiritual realms. He wouldn't have to create this whole world where you have so much paradoxes and so much confusion. And now in our days, there's so much confusion. But it's really, if you look at it, the confusion comes from 
the ego from the self-absorbed human being from self-centeredness when people are so busy with themselves with their feelings with their with their ways of looking at life with me 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 i want to make sure everybody thinks like me and this is ego this is egocentric when we get rid of this egocentric way of life and we connect to the truth which is okay i exist but i exist because hashem made me to exist he created me to be the person i am because he needs me the way i am with all my goodness and not my goodness he needs me to refine what's not good he needs me to use my potentials with what i have he needs me to make this place a place that is receptive it's it's sensitive sensitive to the presence of hashem and so i heard a beautiful story of the of rabbi isaac of caliph he was the he was the Rebbe of Caliph, the Hasidic dynasty, which emerged in the mid 1700s um, with this Rebbe. And he was once walking down the marketplace and he saw a merchant selling produce. And he goes to him and he says, tell me, do you have potatoes? And he says, no, I don't have potatoes. So he says, oh, and do you have a basket? He says, no, I don't have a basket. He says, okay because you don't have a basket you don't have potatoes you know so the same way this can be used in so many other ways of looking at it like okay you want parnasa you want money okay but become a vessel for money become something where money can be used for the good become something that can grab that money hashem has all these blessings for us to give us but we have to become vessels for these for these blessings and this is the, the the what the what the mishkan teaches us what all these these little details that he puts into every little thing that's in the mishkan the tapestries there's 15 materials that are used in this mishkan the gold the copper how he used the wood how where he, the wood came from uh, the color the 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 the, the dyes that he used to to have these colors in the tapestries the wool the linen the silk everything he used in the in the in the temple to the minute detail it's there and it is because it is important it matters it matters the details are in the little things it's not the grand picture it's in the little things it's when you're for example gonna have a meal and you take time and you say brahas for that meal you're not only re releasing godly sparks from this food that is in the material realm you're elevating them but also you're taking that time to say thank you to hashem so when we do these things we become vessels of Hashem we become his keili we become these vessels in our own Mishkan so I want to wish you a blessed week and remember live a little higher thank you